why God-defined family and morality are the targets of the revolution. That is a topic we'll discuss this Father's Day weekend right here on the Christian Worldview Radio Program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website, thechristianrealview.org. Well, thank you for joining us this Father's Day weekend. Now, while it may appear that ending so-called racism is the purpose behind the protests and violence taking place in our country right now, the real intent is the destruction of God-defined family and morality. As is made very clear on the website of Black Lives Matter, the organization at the forefront of this movement, on their website in the What We Believe section, it states the following bullet points. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. Bullet point two, we foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Bullet point three, we make space for transgender brothers and sisters. Bullet point four, we do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk. Bullet point five, we build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. It goes way beyond just the ethnic identity of black people. So why this mission to dismantle, as they say, God-designed family and morality? And why are biblical marriage, family, and morality so important to a, a stable and peaceful society? Well, this Father's Day weekend, we have a special guest here on the program, especially for me. My parents, Bruce and Mary Jane Wheaton, join us today in the program. We do an annual interview either on Father's Day or Mother's Day uh, with their coming on the program. They are in their late 80s, been married for 66 years, followers of Christ for 64 years, and the parents of four adult children. Let's get to the first segment with them as we talk about family and morality on the program today. Dad and Mom, we're thankful to be able to have you on the program for another year. I'm not sure even how many years it's been, but we always enjoy this interview talking to you. Take us back to the time when you were born, back in the early 1930s. Well, those were rough years because the 30s were part of the Depression, and the big Depression. I mean, a real Depression for multiple years. I can remember uh, my my dad having... Uh, Either gas or electricity turned off in his home because he couldn't pay the bill. You're looking at those years uh, as being uh, at a time that I was born and raised in until I was about age nine. And then, of course, there was the pending war that was coming, uh, that beginning to build up in the 30s. You begin to feel it, uh, Hitler and on the rampage over in Europe. And it just led right into the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and, and that was really my childhood. We did not have a whole lot. We did not, not have uh, a lot of money to spend uh, frivolously. But my parents didn't make me feel like I was born and raised in a, in a depression. I really felt like this was sort of normal, and I had a, a fairly normal childhood at that time, David. Well, Dad talked about the early 30s. I'll go a little farther than that. 
when the war was over, there was such patriotism. Oh, that's the songs that people sang and everyone just loved this country. Uh, women stayed home. They were keeping the house, raising their children. Even the way women dressed, they, they dressed in dresses, men dressed in nice clothing and there wasn't any divorce that I knew of. The music was just the music that I'd hear at that time was more romantic music or band music. It was sort of um, innocent time as far as I was concerned. Maybe it was different for other people, but for me, it was a time of innocence. I know we're not supposed to say the good old days, but it was the good old days. And anyone who's lived as long as we have, I know, look back on that time as the good old days. You've talked about the 1950s in previous programs. Uh, that was also part of your growing up years. But let's fast forward to the 1960s and 70s when the first part of this moral revolution that we're seeing now take place, when it really started, I think, in this country in the 1960s and 1970s with the quote-unquote liberation, the freedom from. And what they were trying to be free from is a biblical or Christian-based morality. So we saw things like, quote-unquote, free sex, sex outside of marriage, a huge increase in drug use. The advent and popularity of uh, rock music started to become very popular during the 60s and 70s. Mom, you mentioned it back in your earlier answer that women changed in this country from being more of the, the role of husband and wife and so forth, changed to the feminist movement. Homosexuality started to percolate up at that particular time. Then I think in the 70s and into the 80s is when divorce uh, really became rampant. I know you've told me, Mom, that you hardly even knew anyone who was divorced in the first 20 or 30 years of your life. What do you think precipitated this moral revolution that took place after that era of the 30s, 40s, and 50s that were relatively more traditional in America? Well, I watched it all on TV, as I always watch the news. I was watching Woodstock, and I, I couldn't believe it. All those kids all together in one place with the rock music and the sex and the drugs. I thought it was a, a reflection of the family was, his, was falling apart. And that's when divorce came in, women changed. That's what I recall about it. It was just hard rock music, which I'd never heard before. And sex, I didn't, we didn't use that word. And there was no drug use that I was aware of and feminism. In fact, I was on the radio at that time. I was asked to talk about it. And I, there were two feminists arguing about feminism. And I, all I had was the Bible, but they didn't like that at all. What caused that to take place all of a sudden in America? The books that the college professors were ordering for the kids to read, it was required reading, and all it did was get them into rebelling against authority. They were reading people like Adolphus Huxley, who said, uh, we will not bow to your God because he would interfere with our sexual mores. And so it really did come down to sex. Nothing's changed since Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the same thing. Hmm. Still going on today. Compare the turmoil during the 60s and 70s to what you're seeing in 2020 right now, Mom, with the killing of George Floyd and the subsequent riots and protests and demonstrations going on all, all over the country. How would you compare our era to that era? Start with you, Mom. I did read a lot and listen a lot to Francis Schaeffer, and he kept talking about the practical result of the death of absolutes. 
And once the Bible was rejected as it had, was then and is now, then people do what is right in their own eyes. And the women become stronger than men. The men weak, divorce, people living together. They think nothing of living together, which the Bible says is fornication. And the children didn't have uh, parents who could teach them the things that children need to know to grow up to live their life the right way. It was all Benjamin Spock. Uh, it, it all went south, really, it did. Dad, do you have any comment on that, how you would compare the division, the unrest, the lack of peace in this country to the way it was in the 60s and 70s? Family today is mostly gone. It's considered non-essential. Marriage isn't even thought of anymore. You, you, you just aren't married. But the government has bent over backwards to uh, try to allow these kind of unions in place of marriage. And so people live together and, and there's no thought that there's no, there's no shame to that anymore. Absolutely none. Divorce has no implication to it. You can be married or, or live with another person and then you can separate and no big deal. When marriage becomes uh, nothing more than just a name, society is going to go down and down. My parents join us today in the Christian Realview, Bruce and Mary Jane Wheaton, both in their late 80s. One recurring theme I'm hearing over and over in your, your answers is about marriage and family, and that's really our topic this Father's Day weekend, is how God's institutions of marriage and family are really the targets of the revolution. That's, that's where the rejection is. It's redefining those things, casting those things away. Ultimately, it's casting God away from all accountability from Him. This is a, a broad question, but just to give some observations from both of you on how you have seen marriage and family change over your 80-plus years of your lifetime, and what has caused those changes as we see those two things, marriages and family, break down. What are the changes you've seen, and what do you think has caused those changes? The Bible has intended uh, for a family to be where a father is a father and a mother is, is a mother in the home raising children. Now the homes quite often have parents that both work, and raising of children is secondary. In fact, um, most young kids or children are automatically put in daycare, and who's raising them? It's just a bunch of people who don't know the child, and it's just a matter of give them, give them a book to read or something and keep them occupied until the parent comes home. So the child really never gets any training that he should be getting from a, a real father and mother in his life, except maybe in the evening. Strong marriages are, are hard to find now. And the, the trouble is in pre-marriage, people don't consider what a marriage really is. They don't realize that they have to be together on the same page on faith, on money, on rearing children, politics. They have to be of one mind and one purpose. And it's very difficult nowadays when you have either a fatherless home or a single parent home, or even when they're married and both of them have their own jobs and they're, they're gone so much of the time, the children end up half raising themselves. Mom, you look at the data of divorce and it's very high depending on what survey or study you look at. And it's even high amongst those who are church attending. It's not as high as the broader culture, but uh, you go to any evangelical church and you're, you're bound to run into many people who have been divorced or in second marriages and so forth. 
Why do you think the divorce rate has become so prevalent in this country, even amongst professing Christians? You make a vow between God and man, and you keep that vow for the rest of your life. My mother had a very difficult marriage with my father. She was saved when she was 55. My father was not, and he was very authoritarian, and it was a difficult marriage, but she wouldn't have divorced him for anything. She loved him to the very end of both of their lives. He lived to be 102, and she lived to be 100. But she was always submissive to my father, and I saw that in her. That's the way I have been. I had no desire to rule over dad. I I could see that just does not work. God made the man to love his wife and the wife to submit to her husband and stay home, raise the children, keep house. But that's all gone now. It's just the woman is the strong one and the husband gives in to the wife and is the weak one. You see it in commercials on TV where the woman looks so strong and the man men look so weak. Okay, you're listening to an interview with my parents today here on Father's Day weekend on The Christian Realview. We're talking specifically about marriage and family and how that really coincides with this, we're calling it a revolution, trying to transform our society from the traditional Christian America, the, the America that my parents, who you're listening to today, grew up in and knew very well as they described what their life was like from the 30s, 40s, and 50s and on, and how that changed. Uh, and now that is the target, overturning marriage and family to create this new world unaccountable to God. Of course, that's impossible, but we'll come back and talk more with them. We have much more coming up this weekend uh, with my parents as we talk about marriage and family. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Christian Real View radio program. I'm David Wheaton. People everywhere have anxiety about the coronavirus pandemic. What will happen to their health, their job, their finances, the future? There is also heightened spiritual awareness. Why is God doing this? Am I right with Him? We encourage you to order Ray Comfort's 20-page booklet, How to Be Free from the Fear of Death, which explains how one can have peace with God and a confident hope for this life and the next through the good news of the gospel. If you have never contacted the Christian Realview, request the booklet, how to be free from the fear of death for free by calling us at one 646 2233 For everyone else, you can order as many as you'd like for 50 cents per booklet. Perfect for sharing with others. To order, go to thechristianworldview.org or call one 646 2233 That's thechristianworldview.org. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. For when Christians have a stronger faith and when unbelievers come to saving faith, lives and families and churches, even communities, are changed for the glory of God. The Christian worldview is a listener-supported ministry. You can help us in our mission to impact hearts and minds by making a donation of any amount or becoming a monthly partner. All donations are tax deductible. You can give online at thechristianworldview.org or by calling us toll-free 1-888-646-2233. When you give, we'd like to thank you by sending you a current resource. Monthly partners can choose to receive resources throughout the year. Call 1-888-646-2233 or go to thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for your support.
It's Father's Day weekend and a happy Father's Day to all the fathers listening today. Hope you are enjoying and gaining from the interview with my parents that I always do at this time of year, just thinking how blessed I am to be able to interview them and to have parents like them and uh, so thankful for them. So let's get straight back to the interview with them. We have much more coming up today, so I hope you'll stay tuned for the entire interview with my parents. So what would you say, Mom, are some principles from the Bible that you've learned in your life? I mean, you two have been married for 66 years. You have been both been followers of Christ for 64 years. You're both in your late 80s. You have four adult children, seven grandchildren. I know you don't look at your lives and your marriage as perfect and you've parented perfectly and all that, so I'm not trying to say that you have, but you have strived to have a unified family and a strong marriage. How do you pursue those things? Some people here listening, I'm sure, are just thinking, this is just crazy talk, patriarchal, Christian, oppressor, that kind of thing. But other people listening are thinking, this is very different than the messaging I hear from our culture today. In light of the way things are going in our society, even in the church, perhaps there is some validity to what these two older people are saying today on the radio. What would be your advice as to how to have a strong marriage and avoid divorce, Mom? Well, you have to have the same mind, mind the same thing, and there's only one way to have that, and that is by the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God, apply it to your life, I heard a quote the other day that I I really thought was good. If my life does not match my mouth, you are not going to hear what I say. And I will say of dad that he's the same in the house as when he walks out the door. And I think too many people profess to be Christians, but what they are at home with anger and language and all that that goes on in a house, and then they walk out the door and they're completely different. That does not work. And children see that right away. We don't think we're perfect by any means. If, if anything, we're far from perfect, but we certainly want to live by what we knew to be true in the Word of God. And it, without the Bible, you can't do it. You have to have the Bible and know it and apply it to your life and then give it out to other people who want to know the truth. Because I have to say, the greatest joy of my life is to see my own four children walking in the truth and my spiritual children walking in the truth. That's all that really matters when all is said and done. You said that people would laugh at the way we've lived our lives. They can laugh all they want, but, you know, when you do it your own way, you live your life, go your own way, and don't go God's way, it does not end up well. And I think that's the reason so many people are getting divorced and living together. They will live together because they don't want to be divorced. There's so many things going on in the culture that people adapt themselves to the culture And then it ends up so badly. But in the end, it's going to end up worse because the Bible warns about all of it and it ends up in hell. So I think people need to get serious about life and think about what they're doing and live their lives according to the word of God and have a Christian worldview. But what what did you see that, that you could pick up on in our family? Yeah, I would say my there were a lot of things I could say, but just I'll just give one. The strong impression I had was that you two are very different personalities and temperaments, and yet the unity between what you believe and how you follow Christ is the same. You have the same doctrinal beliefs. You're both committed to that, committed to following Christ. So there's a unified front there. 
And then as a result of that, you have pursued your own marriage and your family and the way you live your life or business or whatever else you've done to try to live by what, the, what God's Word says. That seems simplistic, follow Christ and follow His Word, but that is the duty of, of us as the creation of God to do that. So I, I think that would be my biggest impression. Dad, let's move it over to you. And Mom talked about having a strong marriage. How about having a unified family? I've already mentioned that you have to have the same values in a marriage. That helps farther down the line when you start to have children. Being able to have a family and being involved with everybody in the family is very important. One of the big things that does not happen today that I don't believe is that families do not eat together. We made it a strong point that we had dinner together every night. I mean, that uh, most every night anyway. Because that was a time where you got to talk about what happened during the day, whether it's in school or independently uh, what they did. But now dinner time doesn't amount to anything in most families. It's just uh, you make your own food and run out the door. It's uh, a time when families can really grow together and, and hear each other's comments on what happened that day. And the churches aren't helping that either because um, they often preach on social ills rather than preach on verse by verse from the Bible. They get into the uh, so-called social gospel. And I appreciate the pastors that just open up the Word of God and turn to the Bible and preach verse by verse right out of the Bible, because that's where you really learn what the Bible has to say. Yeah, and also not only social ills, Dad, but also just felt needs of people, how to have a better marriage, how to raise your kids a certain way, what to do with depression or disappointment. And those things are all will be addressed as you preach consecutively or expositorily through Scripture. Grounding people in sound doctrine, who God is and what He desires for us is, is the way those things get impressed rather than just you know individual messages on certain topics. Leave topics just to radio programs like this and keep the preaching of the Word verse by verse in churches. Now, you mentioned the church, Dad. Let's go over to you, Mom. And again, my parents with us today in the Christian Worldview this Father's Day weekend talking about marriage and family. You have obviously seen a lot with regards not to just society, as we've been talking about today, but also the church over your nearly 90 years of living. You probably started to pay attention more to the church, of course, when you were saved in your mid-20s, But what are some of the major changes that you have seen? And I'm talking, when I say church, I'm talking more, let's say, in evangelical churches or more fundamental churches, churches that treat the Bible as the Word of God and are interested in evangelism and that sort of thing. What are the major changes you've seen in those kinds of churches over your lifetime? When we first started to go to church, it was not long after we had received Christ as our Savior. It was a small church. And the pastor taught the Bible verse by verse. He'd go through a book verse by verse. He'd always start out by saying, open your hymn books to Old Rugged Cross or Amazing Grace or Blessed Assurance, all the old hymns. We'd sing the hymn, and then he'd teach the Bible. And that was basically it. We had fellowship with the believers. It was a smaller church. Then the church got bigger um, into the mega church, and everything changed. It became more topical preaching, not strong like we had heard. And uh, the dress changed, casual dress. People were coming in their shorts and thongs and who knows what. And 
I think the music has really brought the world into the church mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's rock music with some words about who knows what. I, I it, it's, You can't even sing the songs. In our generation, the hymns meant so much that uh, even to death, we we knew the hymns. This generation, the younger generations, are not going to know the hymns, and it's really a shame. It's it's a complete violation of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you bring the world into the church or even into your life, then you lose the whole point of what the Christian life is all about. I think there are a lot of professed Christians, but in Hebrews, it's, it's clear that the true believers want the meat of the word, not just the milk, but the professed believers, I, I don't think they're really true believers at all. I think they're just professors, like you said in your book, University of Destruction. Professor is not the same as a true believer. My parents with us today in the Christian Realview again this Father's Day weekend. Another question or two, just in light of all the unrest that is currently taking place in our country. Uh, you grew up in Minnesota. You still live in Minnesota. Uh, You grew up through the segregation period, although that really wasn't as strong much at all where we lived in the north part of the country, but it will be for our listeners in the south. The segregation laws at least are officially ended in 1964. What was your recollection of the relationship between blacks and whites? Just your experience where you grew up in Minneapolis, was there this kind of racial or ethnic, I guess we could call that's a better word, more accurate word, this kind of ethnic tension when you were younger in Minneapolis? I frankly didn't feel that tension. I mean, there were blacks and there were whites and there were Spanish people, Mexican, and there was not any racist talk at all. The word racist now is almost a common expression. People come out and say, oh, you're racist. It's gotten to the point now where I'm not sure what it means to be racist. However, I will say that I had absolutely no feeling, and most of my friends had no feeling towards or against blacks or whites or other people of different races at the time. I can remember being in the military, in the Army, uh, Army training. It was actually before I was uh, on active duty. I was down, I believe, at Fort Bragg, and I was off duty, and I had some civilian clothes to wash. And so I was walking through the town and going, and I noticed there was a laundromat. And in the window of the laundromat, it said, white only. I thought to myself, I said, oh, no, I've got all sorts of colored clothes here, um, you know, shirts of different colors and so forth. I, I won't be able to wash them there. I'll have to find some other place. That shows you how naive I was. It just escaped me. We, we grew up, Mom and I, in an age when it didn't matter whether you were white or black. It, um, we just accepted people on the face value. But now it's been turned into hatred. You know, no matter what you do, it's, uh, your opinions are formed by what you say and who you talk to. Otherwise, you'd be called racist. I think that's very interesting that eight late 80s felt that there was less, a lot less racial tension back when they were growing up than there is today. Very counterintuitive from what you would hear other, uh, elsewhere, like in the mainstream media. Coming back more on the Christian Realview right after this. 
It is a pain to know that there are people who do not know Jesus. It is a greater pain to know that oftentimes Jesus and Christianity is being distorted. Your destiny is calling out. It's time to start living large. I don't think God killed Jesus. That's a sick God and a sick story. This is the doctrine of Christianity. This is the doctrine that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. The American Gospel films contrast the false teaching so prevalent today to true biblical Christianity. Both films are available in our store and would be excellent to show to your family or small group or give to your pastor. To order, go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for joining us this Father's Day weekend here on the Christian Real View radio program as we do an annual interview that I'm blessed to be able to do with my parents. We're going to get back to that in just a second, but I want to announce something we have coming up here, uh, our annual Christian Real View golf and dinner event. We'll have to kind of much discussion with this year with coronavirus and so forth, with so many things being canceled. The event is still on on Monday, September 21st. So we're announcing that today. Registration will be open next week. The only thing is, it's going to be, I think, unlikely this year that there will actually be an indoor dinner portion of the event. So it's really going to be mo- mostly a golf event this year at Woodhill Country Club in YZ. This is about the, I think it's about the fifth year now we've had this event and uh, folks who have come have always really enjoyed it. We love being a part of it. So uh, if you're a golfer this year, uh, we'd love to have you part of the event. Monday, September 21st, Woodhill Country Club in YZ, Minnesota. Just contact us if you're interested in coming or bringing a foursome, and uh, we'll be uh, following up with more information on this annual event. We're also considering doing a listener event this year as well, too, just, again, with the coronavirus indoor events and the complication of that and some of the state mandates regarding gathering in groups. We're trying to figure that out. Maybe we might be doing an outdoor event uh, this fall, this summer, early fall. So we're not we're thinking about, and we'll let you know when we come to uh, some decisions. All right, today in the program, our topic is how God's, how how or why the God-defined family and morality are the targets of this revolution taking place. And this revolution didn't just start this spring. 
this year. This has been going on for many, many years in this country, at least for sure since the 1960s. And I think those who have a biblical worldview realize that it's just gaining steam right now. It's it's becoming more pervasive. More people are succumbing to it, believing in it. Even Christians uh, are maybe unknowingly or unwittingly uh, agreeing with the, the, the direction of this revolution, saying black lives matter, uh, as if they don't. Uh, it just, um, it really is, a, I think, a, a really a time of upheaval right now that we need to have a sharp biblical worldview. And helping us do that today, giving us a, a long-term perspective, are my parents, who are 88 and 86 years old, have been believers for most of their lives, at least for 60-some years married for almost the same amount of time. And so I think they can give a very valuable perspective uh, on what has taken place in this country, uh, specifically with regards to the importance of marriage and family. So let's get back to the rest of the interview with them. Dad, how do you explain how an unbiblical, ungodly organization like Black Lives Matter gets so much support and holds so much sway in our society today? Pastors, Christians, everybody nowadays with Black Lives Matter, it's fear. They, they fear these people, and therefore they join the chorus or they become demonized. Black Lives Matter has gotten to the point where, or anything like it, it's gotten to the point where, like Chicago Mafia years ago, they would go out and sell protection to small businesses in the area. And the small business would have to sign up for protection. If they didn't, they got their place uh, vandalized. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's where we are now. Everybody is falling in line. All the speakers and the preachers and wherever you talk to, they're afraid. And if they don't uh, kowtow to the Black Lives Matters and, and other organizations that go along with that organization, they're afraid. They're fearful. It's easier for them to go along with it and support them and give money to the cause. Even corporations go out of their way to show support. You're exactly right, Dad. There is a high, strong pressure leverage being put on people and churches and pastors and organizations and corporations to actually say those words, Black Lives Matter. We saw the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, use that recently. It's being used a lot in the association with the organization, which we will get into today, is a, an association and a linkage that no Christian should have. Mom, have you ever seen this much division in you, this country over the 86 years that you've lived? You have a long span in perspective. I know it's easy to get influenced by the, the moment in which you're living, but do you remember another time in this country when there has been this much division and unrest? Because you've lived through a lot. You mentioned earlier from the, the Great Depression to World War II to the 60s and 70s, the Vietnam War, 9-11, and all the different things you've lived through. Have you ever seen a time like this? Never. Never, never, never. I've never seen anything like this. Dad and I no. keep up with the news, and we're just—I don't know. We've had two main teachers for a long time now. John MacArthur has been teaching for 50 years. We happened to find him in the providence of God when he first started, and we've heard his teaching every day. And Alistair Begg, they both are the same in their doctrine and teaching. 
And Alistair Begg said, he just started uh, talking about it this morning. He said, if he got onto all these different issues that are going on now, it goes nowhere. It's a constant drumbeat of going in circles about this and that. But he said, you just have to stick with the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That's what we need. That's, that's all we need. That's the truth. And John MacArthur, the same way, he talked about it last Sunday for over an hour, just about the mess the country is in, the world is in, but it's all sin with an uh, I in the middle of the word, S-I-N, it's all sin. And until people deal with their sin and repent of their sin and see themselves as sinners, it's, it's never going to change. It's only going to get worse. We are here. We're born to reproduce. And the sole purpose is not to solve uh, racism or whatever the ills of the day are, but the sole purpose is for individual Christians to tell others about Christ. Christ didn't save us to live unto ourselves. We're to take it in and give it, apply it, and then give it out, not keep it to ourselves and live a little insulated, isolated life just for ourselves. That's not what the gospel is about. In the beginning of our Christian life, we learned how to give the gospel. And we've done that all of our Christian life. And we've seen people who have uh, put their faith in Christ and grow in Christ. And that, that's the reason we're here, is to tell others about Christ so they can know him too. So that gives our lives so much more meaning to see someone else know Christ too. So I appreciate both of you coming on the program today way more than that. I know I speak for my siblings that we are so appreciative to both of you. We love you so much and are so grateful to God that he has allowed you to be with us this many years. So love you both. Happy Father's Day to you, Dad, and thanks for coming on The Christian Worldview. Thank you, David. You're welcome, David. So thankful to to be able to do that interview for another year. They mean so much to me. Happy Father's Day, Dad. You've been such a wonderful father to me and our entire family. Um, I thought it was very interesting what they said there. I think it was my mom said in the last answer, the importance of teachers in their life. Here they are in their late 80s, and they're still looking to those who teach them. And I know this because I see them on a regular basis, how much they take in themselves uh, they listen to several different pastors and, and preachers on a, on a daily basis, uh, multiple, and how the importance of who's teaching you is going to, what, like we often say in the program, you're a product of your influences, you're a product of your teachers. And so those teachers better be sound in what they're teaching you, otherwise you're going to be going down roads that aren't honoring to God. Ultimately, it goes back to you want to be influenced by God and his word. And if they're going to be influenced by teachers, those teachers better be sound and solid on God and his word. And so uh, I think that's a, a great lesson that I, I took away from the conversation with my, my parents today. Now, back to the, the question of the day. So, so why is there this mission uh, to dismantle as Black Lives Matter uh, strive to do to dismantle the, quote, nuclear family? and dismantle morality because it's all about queer affirming and transgender. Well, what is the point? Why is this? Why the, I mean, why isn't it just for, um, you know, just maybe something more, um, you know, reform in the police if they feel like they're being unfairly targeted, which the evidence shows that they're not, but that's what they believe, or many believe. I don't want to overgeneralize uh, by saying that. 
But why this mission to dismantle anything to do with something that God has designed, family and morality? Well, the, the, the answer is, I think the answer is very clear, because to achieve, and if you read their tenets, again, I could go over them again, the ones I read at the beginning of the program today, we are unapologetically black in our positioning. This is Black Lives Matter. Uh, we make space for transgender brothers and sisters. Uh, we do the work to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk. Uh, we build a space that affirms black women free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. That would, I guess, do away with the church and the home, which is the Bible advocates for, the, the man to be the leader in the home. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private, even as they participate in public justice work. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families in, quote, villages. Uh, we foster a queer affirming network. Uh, when we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. That's that, you know, people should be heterosexual or rather the belief that all in the world are homo, uh, heterosexual. So this, this Black Lives Matter and the slogan that they popularized and the slogan you see spray-painted everywhere, BLM, uh, and the signs being held up and then being repeated, being repeated by Christian pastors and leaders and people on faith. Honestly, it's just beyond me how, how any Christian could want anything to do with or repeat the slogan of that organization. They're getting duped by this revolution that's underway. Christians should have no part in it, and we'll talk about why after this final break of the day here on The Christian Real View. David Wheaton here to tell you about My Boy Ben, a story of love, loss, and grace. Ben was a yellow lab and inseparable companion at a stage in my life when I was single and competing on the professional tennis tour. I invite you to enter into the story and its tapestry of relationships with Ben, my aging parents, with a childhood friend I would finally marry, and ultimately with God, who caused all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. Order the book for your friend who needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel or the one who has gone through a difficult trial or loss, or just the dog lover in your life. Signed and personalized copies are only available at myboyben.com or by calling 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or myboyben.com. People everywhere have anxiety about the coronavirus pandemic. What will happen to their health, their job, their finances, the future? There is also heightened spiritual awareness. Why is God doing this? Am I right with Him? We encourage you to order Ray Comfort's 20-page booklet, How to Be Free from the Fear of Death, which explains how one can have peace with God and a confident hope for this life and the next through the good news of the gospel. If you have never contacted the Christian Realview, request the booklet, how to be free from the fear of death for free by calling us at 1-888-646-2233. For everyone else, you can order as many as you'd like for 50 cents per booklet. Perfect for sharing with others. To order, go to thechristianworldview.org or call 
646-2233. That's thechristianworldview.org. Again, if you just joined us today, we're this Father's Day weekend heard an interview with my parents, Bruce and Mary Jane Wheaton. You can always go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, to hear that. We usually have it up the same day that it airs on Saturdays, and then also we have short takes coming out during the week. Sign up for our free weekly email to get those short takes, to get previews and links for the program. We also announced today that our golf and dinner event, is annual event, is on for this Monday, September 21st, here in the Twin Cities, although it's probably unlikely we're not going to be holding the dinner event this year because of restrictions and regulations due to coronavirus. So we'll be announcing that more and getting the registration together uh, next week, but just wanted to announce it today so you could get it on your calendar if you want to be a part of that event. The topic is why God-defined family and morality are targets of the revolution, and we read before the break there, that the, the tenets of the beliefs of Black Lives Matter. And by the way, this, this isn't a just a black group. Just from guessing at watching these the demonstrations, the violence on TV, this is probably half whites and other people. This is not an ethnically based group based on only blacks at all. No, this is, this is a political movement, a, a worldview movement that seeks complete transformation, a revolution of our, of our Christian-based historic society. And so the, 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 the Psalm, Psalm 2, I think, describes so well as you read their tenets and you read Psalm 2, it's just a, it's a complete uh, explanation of why they believe what they do, because it's ultimately it's shaking your fist at God and we will have things our own way. Look at Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar? And you could definitely say our nation is in an uproar right now. It has been for, for many weeks now. And why are the peoples devising a vain thing? It's not just a thing, but it's a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together, and they are. You have political leaders who are on board with this revolution taking place. Think about Seattle. There's an autonomous zone. Just Oh, yeah, just go and have your own country there and do what you want to do and put a wall around it and have guns inside. And yeah, it, in political leaders you know, are, are sympathizing with we with these kinds of situations taking place in our country, letting police stations just get taken over. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together. Who do they take counsel together against? Against the Lord and against his anointed saying, and here's what they want, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, I don't want to be accountable to you, God. I want to live my own life the way I want to live my life. You, you are restraining me. I, I feel like you're binding me. Of course, not. God's not doing that. His commandments are not burdensome. They're, they're for our good and his glory. Verse 4, but here's the response of God as he looks down on, on what's taking place, let's say specifically in America right now, at this revolution. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, God speaking here, I have installed my king, capital K, upon Zion, my holy mountain. That's Jesus. I will surely tell of the decrees of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give 
the nations as your inheritance. This is God speaking to his son and the very ends of the earth as your possession. And then here it comes, the consequence for this revolution. Verse nine, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, here's the warning. O kings or rulers of the earth, show discernment and take warning. Worship the Lord with reverence, reverence, fear, honor, awe, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that's Christ, that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. And the psalm ends with this encouragement. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. And hearing my parents today who have been longtime followers of Christ uh, have strived to obey God's word. Again, not perfectly. We're not trying to set them on a pedestal, uh, but they're in their late 80s and they've strived to do this over their life. How blessed are they who have taken refuge in God? And so uh, the, the result of all that's said and done is they've had a, a, a godly and good life for many, many decades because God graciously saved them and by his spirit and his grace uh, helped them along this narrow road of life. But in contrast that to Black Lives Matter and that movement, again, not ethnically based, it's a political transformative Marxist movement, why do they want to... Uh, read his, uh, why do they want to get rid of, cast off, God, find family and morality? Why are those the targets of the revolution? Well, because to achieve the, the humanistic Marxist big government state they desire, one that is, quote, free from the, quote, constraints of God, as we read about in Psalm 2, the core institutions, marriage and family, of a sound and stable society, they have to be toppled. It's totalitarian at the core. There's no diversity. They talk about how diverse they are, but there's no dissent. They they pull down. If you are a past American and you owned a slave, you're done. It doesn't matter what you did for this country. Uh, if you have certain sins in their mind, your statue is toppled. Uh, you'll you'll be renamed. Uh, history will be re, re, rewritten. Frankly, it's not too much dissimilar than North Korea. Uh, if they had the the guns and weapons and, and the ability to do what they do in communist countries in different parts of the world, they would do it. And you see that kind of violence uh, being played out in certain places on the streets of America. And then for Christians to be saying, well, black lives matter and to be posting that on Facebook is somehow implying that black lives don't matter. I mean, that that, that is that is completely not true. It's, it just goes without saying that every life matters but the fact that you can't say all lives matter or you're considered a racist like that you know you, you shouldn't even say all lives matter just shows you the the bankruptcy of this particular organization and movement you know the whole thing is corrupt when you're saying when you're called a racist for saying all lives matter or that whites are inherently racist just for being born white you're inherently privileged and racist now why are biblical marriage and family and morality so important to a, a stable and peaceful society? Because that's what God designed. Male, female marriage and family is God's design to protect uh, society, to train children, to restrain the sin nature. Laws are there to protect us from each other. Good families, strong families, God-fearing families don't need much government oversight because there's an there's a umbrella of authority right inside that family. 
uh, both with mom and dad over kids, but also mom and dad under the authority of God in the church. But if you want government as God, then you need to break down those institutions that foster stable society. That's why you'll have uh, promote sex outside of marriage. And that's why the prevalence of fatherless homes or no marriage or homosexuality or encouraging drug use or abortion or splinter people into identity groups, hate the police. That's where things go very, very badly. We thank you for listening today here on the Christian Worldview. In summary, I would just say, trust in Christ for your salvation because your soul matters. Not just your life, but your soul matters. Let the Bible inform your worldview on everything. And then cultivate a God-loving marriage and a God-fearing family. Until next weekend, everyone, think biblically and live accordingly. Happy Father's Day, everyone, as well. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, His Word, and His Son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.